steps into it, pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! podcast i am bj rydell back here with my guy drew mahold and today while it's the first time that we've spoken with you guys since the 2021 nfl draft so we have a few things to catch up on and uh we're going to spend the next couple episodes doing just that so uh for today uh drew and i are going to focus on the vikings first and set first and first third round pick so they're the two picks that the vikings made first in the 2021 nfl draft um, and Christian Derrissaw, and also quarterback Kellen Mond. Uh, so that'll be the topic of the discussion today. Uh, we'll go over kind of, you know, our analysis of the players, uh, how they fit, do they fit, uh, and how much of an impact can we expect to see uh, both now and in the future. And, and, of course, you know, with the quarterback, I'm sure we'll go off on multiple di- different tangents. But uh, that's the goal for today. Uh, talk about those two guys and get you guys out of here in a quick 30 or so. So, uh Let's get right into it here then. Uh, so just as a whole, right, uh, the Vikings did a lot of the things that I think um, we were clamoring for as fans. Uh, first and foremost, they addressed the offensive line. That's super obvious, right? I mean, they did it not just with Christian Derrissaw, who we'll talk about today, but with Wyatt Davis as well, who we'll talk about next week. Uh, you know, they sat back and kind of bided their time and acquired more assets, uh, which we all knew was going to happen. Um uh, mm-hmm turns out that they were able to fleece the Jets um, out of getting the guy that everyone thought the Vikings were going to take. And all in all, they came together and they were able to put together, you know, another group of, you know, draft picks that seemingly uh, will have a direct impact on the Vikings both immediately and in the the near, you know, the not so distant future, I should say. Um, And that all starts with Christian Derrissaw, right? So the Vikings, of course, started with the round uh, 14th overall pick in the first round, moved back, uh, about what nine picks to 23 uh, to pick up Derrissaw. Uh, they moved back with the Jets in doing so. They lost the fourth round pick and acquired two third round picks. Uh, this seems like, you know, kind of the goal, right? Um, when we were talking about what the Vikings needed to do, uh, don't do anything stupid, right? Don't, don't throw too many resources away that you can't get back uh, in the future. Uh, get the best player available. And if possible, get someone that can have a direct impact on your team, uh, most notably the offensive line. Uh, the Vikings did all of those things uh, with one simple pick uh, and acquired more assets in the process. Yeah, that was an, you know, a very, very good move, I thought, by, by Spielman. And nothing surprising, right, with Rick Spielman. Uh, the guy loves to trade down more than right. perhaps anything in the world. And so um, actually surprising, this was the only trade he made in this draft, uh, which is I think it's the only time in the Rick Spielman era the Vikings have made less than two trades uh, in, in a draft. Uh, but it was a good one at that, right? You mentioned the value that they got um, a couple of picks for the, from the jets to move up uh, for the jets to move up rather to 14 Vikings go down um, to 23. And it sounds like the Vikings still got the guy they actually wanted. Uh, they saw that Derisov was kind of, was there at 14, right? But there was a bunch of names that um, could fall before him. So they wanted to move down. And it actually, I saw that, um, I think, was it maybe 
Courtney Cronin or there was others um, reporting. I shouldn't mention her name if I'm not for sure that it was her, but there was some reports that the Vikings actually wanted to move back up again after getting to 23 to about 20 or 19 or so to make sure they did get Derisaw. Uh, but luckily he did fall to them anyway. So uh, they clearly were high on this guy. Um, and I mean, it's what's not to be high about high on um, highest graded pass blocker in the power five last year by PFF uh, just huge size, a ton of power, um, and, you know, in terms of zone scheme, you know, what the Vikings have been running, uh, it seems like he's a perfect fit there too. So uh, it's, I, it, all things point to this guy being sort of a left tackle of the future for the Vikings, uh, which is something that they really haven't had in a while uh, and, a, and a big get and something that, you know, the Vikings, again, they really needed long-term here, whether the quarterback's Kirk Cousins, whether it's Kellen Mond, whether it's somebody else, we'll talk about that later, but left tackle of the future is a cornerstone piece of any offense and the Vikings got one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's the, that's the major point here before we actually talk about the impact that Derisaw can have and you know the type of player that he is. I, I want to talk about the, the, the move that, you know, ultimately uh, resulted in the Vikings acquiring him. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So we've discussed this a little bit. The Vikings moved down nine picks. They acquired a couple of picks with the jets. Um, I think that this move is more than just acquiring cool resources, right? Uh, you fleece the jets who hasn't right. I think it's more than that. This is a, uh, a turn, uh, for the Vikings in terms of their drafting style and what they're you know, willing to do with their resources, right? Every dr- draft analyst and their mother had Elijah Vera Tucker from USC going to the Vikings at 14. Now, part of that was, and I, I will say that most writers put a little asterisk saying, I fully expect the Vikings to trade down, but that was the guy, right? That was who everyone expected the Vikings to take. And to a degree, I kind of expected it too. I mean, they took Garrett Bradbury. They don't have a problem taking interior offensive linemen. Um, at that pick and you know they also don't have a problem taking the guy that seems to be the consensus pick among right everybody every draft expert analyst right i mean treadwell was one of those guys bradbury was one of those guys like it it happens and it's happened in the past when the vikings do pick the chalk uh the chalk idea right right so ultimately what the vikings did here was at the 14th overall pick they're sitting there they have the you know the easy move right uh, just put in the slip pick up Vera Tucker, uh, you solidify your interior offensive line. No one's going to get mad at you except for the value people, right? Us, um, the people who are sick of drafting interior offensive linemen before 26 because it's just not good value. The Vikings actively went against that, which I think is awesome because it shows a contemporary stance with regard to value on the offensive line. The Vikings traded down so that the Jets could move up to get a guard while the Vikings got a tackle and yeah. draft compensation at that. That's an amazing move. That's not like in a sense, like, yeah, Vera Tucker could be the best guard in the NFL five years from now. And if Derisaw is an above for excuse me, an above average offensive lineman, specifically a left tackle, it, it's, you still do it every time because the value mm. is, is significant. And we're talking about a blindside protector that you ended up getting more assets for in trying to get this guy. Uh, that's a big win for the Vikings just in itself. Not only did you acquire a great player, you did it. The process was awesome. The process was perfect for 2021 NFL drafting and going about your business in a way that's going to, you know, make this team better long-term as opposed to just solving some immediate need just to, you know, please the choir. Yeah, that was the, the most encouraging part for me was I was pleasantly surprised by what seems to be, like you said, a contemporary, like modern process of drafting, um, which, you know, I think you'd think kind of old school, you think of drafting 
big maulers um, in the offensive line. You think of drafting running backs early. You think of that type of thing. Um, but it's not. I mean, Derisaw again. I'll say it again. You know, I think he's uh, the highest graded pass blocker, power five, uh, last year in the draft. So uh, they're they're clearly focusing on you know pass protection. They want to become more modern. I know Mike Zimmer is is Mike Zimmer and his philosophy, but um, clearly there's a forward thinking. Uh, motive here for the Vikings in the front office and getting Derrissaw and trading down to do so after kind of the consensus was a guard, at, at Elijah Barrett Tucker. So I'm I'm all for that move. I love that. And then, of course, Spielman does what he does, uh, wheeling a deal and making uh, moves, gaining value while moving down in the draft. Um, also, Vikings taking value away from the Jets. It's uh, kind of a yearly thing now with uh, Kirk Cousins, um, then Anthony Barr committing there, then uh, choosing to come back to Minnesota. And of course now with this trade, uh, it seems like the Vikings are fleecing the jets one way or another every single year. Okay. So now let's talk about what the Vikings got, right? Um, six, five, 314 pounds. He fits the, the kind of the stereotype, uh, for what your body should look like. Uh, if you're going to be an offensive tackle, uh, really good movement skills. You know, if you just mm-hmm. pick up the highlight tape, you're going to see how quickly and easily he's able to pull and get downfield with guys who are a lot faster than him. Uh, that fits super well with what the Vikings like to do, especially with that zone running scheme. Moving to the outside, you're going to have to have, a, a, you know, an offensive tackle that can pull and get out in front of your, your running back, especially with Dalvin Cook being, you know, as fast and as quick as he is. You need to have someone that is going to offer that same type of flexibility on your offensive line. Uh, and I think Darisov fulfills that for sure. Uh, the thing that sticks out to me, and this is completely irrelevant, uh, but d- just the fact that his name's Darisaw, like, does that not just sound like a guy who's going to, like, absolutely cake you? Like, it's not <laughs> – he, he just sounds scary. And that's what I want, right? I want yeah. Bryant McKinney on my, as my blindside protector. I want a guy who is going to fight the other dude, kill him if necessary, because that's the mentality that you need to have to play offensive line, and I think – you know, that's one of the question marks here with this guy, too, right? Despite the fact that his last name is, you know, basically, you know, uh, like a, a weapon, essentially. <laughs> it does sound like that a little bit now that hey, you say it out loud, Derisaw. It sounds you like grab it's... the Derisaw from the garage. Yeah, yeah like it sounds seriously. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's also funny that, I mean, this is off topic a little bit, but the Vikings drafted, uh, you know, Chaz Surratt in the third round. Um, you look at the tape between in that Vatek versus North Carolina game, you'll see Derisaw just dismantling Chaz throughout that whole game. Uh, it's interesting that the Vikings saw that and also picked up Chaz. But uh, yeah, Darius, I mean, he's he's kind of got everything that you want um, in a franchise left tackle nowadays. You know, great pass blocking skills, movement, athleticism, um, you know, going to be great like in the screen game, right? Out to move around, um, you know, and the Vikings seemingly run almost too many screens, right? With Dalvin Cook, it seems like um, it's their go-to second and long play. But uh, if you get a guy like Darius, I can move around all over the field very swiftly and easily, then you might as well go for it. Um, then the next part I'm curious about now. So he's got, you know, he's got the, the dog mentality. He's got everything that mentally that you want that Mike Zimmer wants for sure. But then the skills and the, like the, the modern movement of kind of a, a, you know, 2021 left tackle. But now I'm curious about the rest of the offensive line. So, Clearly, this guy you presume is going to be your starting left tackle. Well, this is um, important too. This in right, itself, because, like that, yeah, that like like what moves around? Questions. Yeah, Ezra Cleveland now. I mean, he second rounder last year. What happens to him? Well, is he going to be now. a guard now? Uh, yeah. So there's there are questions to be answered here. And then of course, I but I will say this: the idea of Darisaw and O'Neill as your bookends long term is should be should make Vikings fans excited because I think that could be a really really good group compared to the rest of the NFL. 
Absolutely. You know, th- this pick did a lot of different things. You know, part of the reason why people were saying the Vikings would take Vera Tucker was because they thought that Cleveland was going to be the offensive tackle of the future, right? They, you know, he had played guard last year. Everyone kind of said, well, his future's probably a tackle. There's more value at tackle, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, this pick seemingly answers that question about where Cleveland's going to play. Uh, it also, you know, creates, you know, or I should say it answers more questions than it like creates um, when by just slotting Darius on there. And then of course, drafting Wyatt Davis later on um, you have a better feel for what's actually happening. Right. Uh, and the direction, you, you know, you mentioned you, you're going to have Brian O'Neill and Christian Darius, hopefully as your book ends of the future for four or five, hopefully even more years. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds really good on paper. Um, yeah. And, you know, the way you went about it was the process was good. I mean, when you look at when you look at this pick and like everything that it answers for the Vikings, like, was this the perfect pick? Was there was there something the Vikings could have done better? Like, would it honestly have been better to trade the to tr- you know mortgage the house to move up and get dr- Justin Fields? I think that's the elephant to- in the room here that we haven't yet talked about. And I think I personally kind of would have, I, I would have taken that chance, um, especially now in hindsight, knowing that he went to a division rival. Right. Uh, that's the kind of the kicker, right? I mean, if he had gone to, you know, the Jets or, you know, a, a, an, any out of division team, I would have been more accepting of the Vikings kind of um, staying back and waiting. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, knowing that he went to Chicago Vikings, so have to play Justin Fields for the foreseeable future. Um, it is concerning that they didn't quite make that move. Now, in general, though, even that, even though the Vikings didn't make that move, uh, I'm still pleasantly surprised that they are and were being aggressive about the quarterback position, which is something like I know me and you have talked about a ton over the past few months here leading up to the draft. We didn't anticipate the Vikings being QB needy or QB, you know, right. ready to get a QB. Um, we kind of had the perception that they were totally satisfied with Kirk Cousins, that um, even at, I mean, there didn't seem to be any effort to address even the backup position. Um, and so it, it's at the very least, I'm very encouraged by the Vikings going after quarterback. We, as we kind of transition here, maybe to Kellen Mond in that pick, but uh, they're at least going after quarterback, they're addressing the position. And it sounds like they are ready to take fields at 14 if, uh, if he was had fallen to them, which I'm very, very pleasantly surprised by. And they're noticing now that teams, if you got to get that quarterback, you know, on a rookie contract and then load your roster around that quarterback. And that's really the key or the, I guess the winning formula right now that's popular in the NFL. Okay. So it, it, it's the perfect transition here because the, the, the obvious question with the Justin Fields situation is by, by getting, you know, by getting, you know, the quarterback in the second round, by getting Mon in the second round, are you like, does it, is it okay that you didn't get Justin Fields anymore? That's my first question here. Like, because you missed on Justin Fields, like, that sucks. I was disappointed as well. It hurt, especially because, like you said. I think think the Vikings were hurt by it, too. I mean, especially the way, you know, he went to the Bears. I think they were – they really wanted him. So is the combination of getting Darisaw, your – hopefully your, you know, your left tackle of future, as well as Kellen Mond, who, you know, we'll get deeper into this, but I think it's fair to say his level, his potential and his floor – are considerably lower than Justin Fields. So you're sacrificing a lot just in terms of overall potential and, you know, likelihood of success, but you are getting a bigger piece for your offensive line. So you're pleasing that element. And if you move up to get Justin Fields, you're basically not addressing your offensive line. 
at least right. not until the third or fourth round at the very best. Right. So did they make the safe choice again? Like, should we be annoyed with them for playing it safe and responsible here? Like, would it have been better ultimately? Like, clear mind. Would it honestly have been a better move for the Vikings to be aggressive and try to get Justin Fields? I mean, it's obviously you can't say now. Uh, I, I guess my gut is to say yes, uh, just because I, I think Fields is one of those, you know, long-term franchise type quarterbacks that could be an elite player. And if you get that chance, you have to take it uh, on a player like that. But I will say this is also the safer move that they made uh, or that they, I guess, didn't make right uh, by not trading a whole first round pick to move up. What would have been three spots right. in the draft um, ultimately, whereas, you know, Chicago, they actually jumped up what nine spots and there's more value, I guess, in jumping up, you know, giving up a first round pick to jump up nine spots right. uh, to take a quarterback there. So I understand it from that perspective. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the, reaction then is well if they really wanted them that bad they would have made the move and yeah that's true uh but they just um at the position they were kind of at that point all right you're the bank and he falls three more spots and really if he gets past 11 bears don't make that trade you know it's very possible he does because uh, the next two picks i believe were uh what was it uh the giants or it was i think the chargers there too so a couple of the teams that already had established franchise quarterbacks there so um it's it, w- it was really close. We were we, we are at, we were really close to getting Justin Fields on Minnesota, which would have been a heck of a a, a situation. But ultimately, um, as we've transitioned to Mond here, I again very pleased that the Vikings even attacked the position in the first place. Okay, so there's two discussions to be had here about Kellen Mond. First and foremost is the process. I think that's always the more important thing here, just because it's something that can be replicated and you know, something that we can actually get mad about, right? Like, if you're doing it wrong, I can be mad about that. You know, everyone can look back and be like, oh, this process, this process, you should have drafted this guy. You know, this guy made more sense here. Like, everyone can look back and do that. But you can't, if you can look back and point to the actual issue with the process, um, it's a lot easier to have a developed, you know, coherent argument about why the Vikings did or did not screw this thing up. Now, the process, in my opinion, is very good. Drew and I, like he said, have been talking about this for months, and you hear this from you know pro football focus and everyone else. You know, Just the opportunity to draft a quarterback every year should be on your mind, right? You should be trying to get one second, third, fourth round probably every single year unless you have an Aaron Rodgers. Every other year. I mean, um, yes. uh, yeah, unless you got a very well-established superstar quarterback already. There, there's no reason to pay a veteran quarterback 5 or $6 million to sit on your bench and be the backup, and you're going to suck if that backup has to play. It just makes more sense. Just get a rookie quarterback, find out what you got. Uh, the Vikings did that. Now, we can. I think we can both agree that the process is good. They, they, they made an aggressive move to go get a quarterback that could potentially be you know, the quarterback of the future. It could also be a complete bust of a pick, and you wasted you know your top third-round pick um, when you could have done something else with it. I mean, there's arguments for both sides. Whatever. You know what they are. I probably don't need to say them. Um, the next issue here is the is the guy that they drafted, right? Yeah. Um, that's you know what what we what we care about right now. Yeah, the process is more important long term, but in the moment here, like yeah, I want to know more about Kellen Mond. I want to know why. You know why is this the guy that you want to gamble on? Uh, is it a, is it a respectable gamble? Like, am I throwing money like to you know at something that's not gonna that's not gonna sell, or is this something that you know? Maybe, maybe with the right, you know, tweaks, you know, the right coaching, the right whatever it is that gets these guys to, you know, play at the level that they do. 
then maybe this guy can become them. I, I, I don't know the answers to these questions. I'm asking these out loud because I don't know because I think there's real question marks about this guy. Yeah. I, I think there's a real argument that you could draft this guy in the first round, and then you could also draft him in the sixth or seventh round because of, you know, if you're if you're someone that favors potential, you like this guy. Mm-hmm. Great body type, great athleticism, great arm strength. Seems to be intelligent and understanding of the game. All of those things are you know great, but when you look at what's actually happening on film, it's concerning. Like especially because it's the Vikings developing this guy. If this was Andy Reid developing this guy, yeah, that's might a good point. <laughs> but this is the Vikings. We we've seen incompetence forever developing the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, are that, you concerned a, or not? That's a good point. I didn't even really consider. Uh, but in terms of the process, I like picking the kind of volatile guy. Uh, you know, I think volatility when you're drafting a a guy's you project to be a backup initially, um, and then has the potential to be. I'm not gonna, you know, uh, you know this is gonna be hyperbole, but you know, has the potential to be a superstar with the um, mobility, the arm strength, the kind of ability to extend plays, things like that. Um, you know, he has that sort of playmaking trait to him, uh, but then. You know, like you said, the development needs to happen. Uh, the pocket presence and the, um, you know, the, the, just the consistent accuracy um, is going to have to be developed a little bit. So, uh, but I, I like the picking the guy that's the most volatile, I think, of those sort of three in that range. Um, that are those kind of mid, you know, mid-round quarterback prospects that there were here. Now, for what it's worth, I mean, this is, you know, a lot of, I guess, draft experts, draft pundits thought highly of Bond, you know, Um you know, Chris Sims, who has uh, kind of famously been nailing QB rankings over the past few years, um, actually had Mond above Fields and Lance in his rankings um, for what it's worth. So there's there are there's reason to really like him. And, you know, it, it's because it, we've seen it. All, we see it all the time. I mean, QB uh, performance in college is not always a smooth um, portrayal of what it will be in the NFL, uh, whether they become worse or better. Uh, so got to get the right situation, got to get the right weapons around him, um, pass protection. And so, I mean, we'll see. I, 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 was, I mean, I hope we don't see Mond in 2021 on the field just because that would be Kirk Cousins either is hurt or is playing very poorly, which would put the Vikings in a bad position. But uh, I like the idea long-term of the project and kind of having a plan uh, to build on if, you know, Cousins ends up departing Minnesota. So the number one pit, like the number one win with the Kellen Mond pick, is just that Sean Mannion is no longer your backup quarterback. That's I know that's your Honestly. that's your top. Uh, I'm being serious. Yeah. I'm being serious. Like that's a huge win to have. Just just think of it. This is how I think about it every single time. If Kirk Cousins goes down in week six, he's going to be out for anywhere between two and eight weeks. You don't actually know. You don't have a good timetable. It could be a couple weeks. It could be a couple months. You don't know. Would you rather have the guy? who you literally have never seen throw the ball 15 yards in the air before <laughs> starting at quarterback for two to eight, two to eight weeks. Or would you rather just gamble with the guy that you don't know that has potential and no one has the answer yet? I already know the answer with Sean Mannion. Kellen Mond, I don't know the answer. I'm skeptical. I'm very skeptical. I'm very, I'm probably the most skeptical of anyone you're listening to. Just because I don't, I, I really am not confident that this one's going to work out. But I don't know, and that's really important here because I do yeah. know with Sean Mannion, and that in itself makes the process a good one, right? You get an un, you add an unknown 
I mean, what if this guy is really good? Patrick Mahomes not wasn't like, exactly great at Texas right. Tech. You know, like you can develop some skills and you can develop, you know, cere- cerebral ability and reading plays. Like yeah. These traits can be developed if you have the body type and the talent. And I think it's fair to say that Kellen Mond has those things. I mean, and you put him, you pair him with, hypothetically, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, right? Um, in the like that, in the event, you know, he's got he gets on the field this year or next year, and those guys are out there at his disposal. I mean, that's already a huge upgrade in terms of what he's played with before. Right. So, right. I mean, and, and we, it's I'm not exactly sure if there's a quantifiable way to measure how much value a receiver brings to a quarterback and, and things like that. But you see it all the time in the NFL where a quarterback who seemingly wasn't that all that impressive in college um, just turns it up in the NFL because the position that they're presented in uh, that they're brought up in and that they start that they start in is, is that good? Uh, I think, you know, Dak Prescott's another one um, mid round pick for Dallas gets the start because of Romo's injury. He's in a great situation with an awesome offensive line. You got Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. You got a couple of key, really good wide receivers out on the perimeter and he lights it up. Dallas starts, I think when they went 12 and four or something that year. So uh, now I'm not saying Bond is going to be Dak Prescott, but um, I think it's, there's something to be said about uh, the, the situation that QBs are in. And it's again, I mean, it's the, my whole mantra about like modern team building in the NFL at like, so much of your resources and your energy needs to be spent on the QB position, both finding the right guy, uh, taking chances on, you know, your, your draft picks on a quarterback and then investing your resources into building the perfect environment for that quarterback to succeed because that position kind of, you know, carries the rest of the franchise, really the success that that team has. So um, again, very surprised, pleasantly surprised by the Vikings, you know, really targeting that position this year, even though it's, the, the signals they've been sending the past couple of years now have been, we love Kirk. He's our guy. Kirk's our guy. We're going to extend him and extend him again. Um, but I, I love that they went after the position still to add a, another option in the event that Kirk isn't the, the guy moving forward. Okay. So we'll wrap up our discussion here with these, these early round selections here um, and get back to it next week. But I want to finish with one final question here. Um, so you have been mentioning kind of throughout here that you're pleasantly surprised um, that the Vikings have made the decision that they did to, you know, not only, you know, attempt to get a quarterback, but also actively address it with Kellen Mond in the third mm-hmm. round. Um, which thing, which uh, move or which decision or um, which attempt means more to you? The thought to go up and try to get Justin Fields and actually look to see what it would require to go and get this guy or the decision to actually select Kellen Mond in the third round. What may, what what do you think says more about the Vikings in terms of you know the direction they want to go? Was it the fact that they were willing to you know at least think about going up and getting a guy that he's he's there to replace Kirk Cousins? If you draft Justin Fields, he's there to replace Kirk Cousins. Right. And they thought about that. Does that matter more, or does it matter more that the Vikings were like, you know what, we do need a quarterback? We're going to get one in the third round. We're actually going to do this instead of drafting, you know, at the time, a guard, which everyone was yelling about. Right. Um, I, I mean, clearly, to me, it's more meaningful that they were, you know, very close to, to getting Justin Fields. I think so, too. Clearly wanted to. Reports indicated that they were, you know, making calls, trying to move up once he kind of felt like the 8, 9, 10 range. Um, you know, the price was just a little bit too high for what they um, kind of were willing to give up. 
And then, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think I'm as upset about it if he doesn't go to the Chicago Bears in right. an in-division rival. So that's the kind of thing that hurts to me. But, um, I mean, that, that again, this whole the idea that they were looking at Justin Fields, they were going to take him if he was there at 14. I love that because they are clearly putting uh, a high, high priority on making sure that your team is set at the quarterback position. Um, not that Kirk necessarily doesn't – not that the Vikings aren't set with Kirk, but um, there's – you can always improve at the position, and it's the most important it's position. It's Alex in Smith, so, Patrick Mahomes situation. Yeah, that's sure. exactly what I mean. It would have mirrored that to a T if he, if Justin Fields had had fell to the Vikings. So I I, I love the the uh, process that they went through here, and you know I I maybe would have gambled a little bit more, kind of get given up a little bit more to go up there, but uh, you know. I guess the consolation of Kellen Mond at the top of the third is certainly not a bad idea. Plus, I like that the Vikings apparently reportedly told Kirk ahead of time that uh, that they are going to go after quarterback, something that Green Bay Packers did not do. Uh, and it's looking like it's biting them in the butt right now. Yeah, it seems like every single team except the Green Bay Packers do that. <laughs> yeah. They just want to be sneaking for, for literally no reason. Um, uh, kind of a segue out of that, I suppose, and this is the real last question then. Uh, you just mentioned that the Vikings kind of did the professional thing and were like, hey, Kirk, like we're going to draft a quarterback. Um, Kirk also did the professional thing and was like, hey, um, everyone, uh, welcome to the team. Looking forward to <laughs> welcome to the team. Yeah, right. sharing, just the, the generic sharing of the social posts by the, by the Vikings. Accounts. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we've seen kind of the, the coach speak or the media talk or whatever it is. The question that I have for you, and this is something that we kind of briefly entertained kind of jokingly, like that it would be cool if the Vikings drafted a quarterback and they got the same effect on Kirk Cousins as the Packers got from Rodgers in terms of like pissing this guy off and making oh, him play true, yeah. level. Like the question is, I don't know what word to use, but is there is there any fallout? Is there any consequence? Is there any ramification to this decision with regard to Kirk Cousins specifically? I know Rick Spielman has already said that Kirk Cousins is the starter. Kellen Mond is not going to be the guy at any point in time. He addressed that immediately. He's been completely transparent with his quarterback. But 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 is there I mean, like could there is there is there something yeah. to look at here? Like yeah, I mean we'll never know what's actually said behind closed doors. Um, but I feel like. Now, this is uh, from the outside looking in, obviously, but I feel like Kirk's almost t- too professional in that he's never going to he's never going to make it an issue because he doesn't want it to look bad on himself in a way. Does that make sense? Right. So, like, I, I feel like Rodgers is a like, I'm gonna, we're going to compare this to Rodgers inherently, right, because of what's going on what's presently going on? right now. Um, but he is the type that to me, it just does. I don't think he really cares too much about what somebody else thinks of him or what he's, you know. Like he doesn't care if his uh, beliefs, thoughts get in the way of kind of how he's perceived, um, if that makes sense. So I, I, I don't think Kirk would do that. I don't think he, if he is upset, I think it would he would do his best to keep it kind of private. Um, so I don't think it'll be an issue. And I think Kirk will be professional about it, all things considered. And I think you know if, if play is poor, I think he'll also be aware of that. So uh, I, I really don't see it being an issue. Uh, but of course it we have nothing to, there's no issue to be had. Can it be a positive? It could. could. Now, again, on the the other side of the spectrum, I don't think Kirk has that. I don't um, think so either. That's why I'm asking. That kind of trait to get fired up about something like maybe Rogers, we could say last year where he, maybe the, maybe the draft pick did motivate Rogers to take to take it to another level where I don't think Kirk has that extra level necessarily. So there's kind of a pro and con to it, but um, I, I mean, 
here's the thing. I don't think we'll have anything to even think about here unless Kirk plays like poorly, you know, to start the year or something. Or maybe the Vikings have a tough start again, kind of like last year where they were like one and five, one and six, whatever. Then they'll be at discussion and maybe we'll revisit this. But I don't see, you know, Kirk making a big dramatic deal out of it like, you know, the Rodgers is doing right now. I mean, I think you're probably right. I think he's very low key and just like nauseatingly boring. So I don't yeah, expect which anything. Is, I mean, good and bad. It's good and bad. And right. I think it's... in this case, it's going to be mostly a good thing just for the sake of media attention, QB controversy, drama, things like that, that can be a distraction. Absolutely. I mean, then you look at the thing that's going on with Rogers, like elephant in the room, something that we haven't talked about on this show, but I mean, the, Aaron Rodgers may not like, this is important, right? Aaron Rodgers is like, him leaving the NFC North puts the Vikings Huge. in the driver's seat, literally, Huge. because Matthew Stafford's already gone as well, and you're going to be dealing with Justin Fields, too. I mean, I think Justin Fields is going to be a good quarterback. I don't think he's going to be a good rookie quarterback. Like, if, if Aaron Rodgers is really gone, like, this is a big deal, right? Like, Well, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I think the Vikings could have drafted six or seven kickers in this draft, and it would still be a success because – sounds like Rodgers is going to be out of the league. Well, let's not go that far. They're out of the out of the division. So um, <laughs> I would say, I mean, overall, the weekend would have been a success because that guy's right. gone. And um, you think so, he's actually going to be gone? Let's put that on record now. And well, we'll it's see, I mean, everything that keeps coming out day by day, it seems like it's further, uh, further evidence that he's told the team he's done. He's not coming back. Now, Devontae Adams is sending out cryptic tweets. a la Stefan Diggs. Uh, a couple years ago. So it, it, there's more and more evidence to point that to point towards Rogers, no longer being a green Bay Packer, whether it's retirement or whether he's going to play for like Denver or Las Vegas. Um, either way, I, I mean, I've always been a big Rogers fan, obviously. Um, and to be truth be told, we don't exactly know everything that's going on. I would imagine green Bay maybe regrets not giving, letting him in on some decisions, some plans. Um, that uh, clearly have offended Rodgers a little bit and he wants out. But yeah, I mean, you get Rodgers out of the division, you get your franchise left tackle, you get uh, uh, kind of a, a plan B at quarterback in the next few years with Kellen Mond. Uh, I think this, this, this weekend has been huge uh, for the future prospects of the Vikings. It seems like a good uh, a good place to end there. This weekend was huge for the future prospects of the Vikings. Keep that in mind. Uh, we will be back next week here uh, to discuss more right uh the vikings did a couple of other things in the middle rounds that are super interesting i know it's a little iowa wide receiver that i'm interested in and kind of uh curious about how the vikings may entertain the usage of him and of course we'll talk about wyatt davis and uh you know the rest of this class here there's some other names here we already mentioned chaz surratt and uh kind of the intrigue that he brings and then i'm also extremely interested in cameron cameron bynum uh, the cal uh cornerback so we'll spend some time discussing those guys and then uh, we'll wrap up in a couple of weeks here with uh the later round dudes that drew and i don't know absolutely nothing about um and we'll try to learn by that point in time so <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you as always for listening uh you can find us on itunes stitcher google play spotify wherever else you listen to your podcast if you prefer to watch podcasts you can watch us on youtube that's perfectly okay with me and then you can also find us on daily norseman and the climbing the pot pocket network uh make sure to check out what they're doing there and for those of you that joined the live feed, um, even though Drew and I were not there, we appreciate you being there, um, checking out what they're doing there. And they're doing a lot of cool stuff on the team. So uh, thank you as always. And we will catch you guys next week. Oh.